Hi, welcome to the seventh episode of the podcast. I'm really glad you could join us because today is all about sex. If you don't want to hear about sex and MS, time to turn off. But otherwise, this is a good 30-minute discussion with three other people, all of whom are women. We're all over 40, so hopefully we decided we're trying to use a bit of our experience and um, our learning to shine a light on how to manage dealing with MS and sex at the same time. So tune in and off we go. Just one more thing. I'm really sorry to even bring this up because I'm English and I hate doing this, but the MS Guide really, really needs the support of the community. Some community members support me, and that's really great, but I really could do with the support of some more. I need to purchase things like subscriptions and equipment, and it puts a real burden on my household power, believe it or not, running a computer the whole time, all those kind of things. But if you go to patreon.com slash the MS Guide, that's patreon.com slash the MS Guide, one word, I'd be really grateful. And also, if you hit subscribe and ring the bell, if you're listening to this through YouTube, that's brilliant. If you're listening to it through Acast as a podcast, if you follow along with that. Anyway, let's get going. Sex, sex, sex. Hi, everyone. It's Dom from the MS Guide. I was having a conversation with Mary, which led me to think this might be a good thing to do. But let's just go around and introduce ourselves. Uh, first, we've got somebody new. Wendy, how long you had MS? Just tell us a bit about yourself. I'm Wendy. I'm from um, Worcester in, in England, and I've had MS two years. So I've had it longer than that. I've had it about 10 years, actually. But I've been right. diagnosed for two. Okay. Marika? Uh, yes, I'm Marika Ostrom. I'm from the Netherlands, and I've been diagnosed for five years now with relapsing remitting MS. Excellent. And last but not least, the birthday girl, Rebecca. Hi, all. Um, I am from America. I've had MS for 20 years, and uh, but don't tell my mom, but I've had sex a lot more than 20 years. So, excellent, excellent. I feel like I'm well prepared for this conversation. Well, I mean, you know, frankly, you and I have done a um, a whole video about sex before, so this is why you're one of my go-tos. And um... <laughs> I call it our sex tape, Dom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, President Trump would be jealous, but uh... <laughs> hey, everyone. So, sex is an ongoing never-ending thing i think you know it just changes in how you think about it how much you want it or don't want it or why or why not and to a certain extent i think it kind of exists alongside ms but it's also affected by the ms that we've all got and that puts additional wrinkles into the whole thing but the reason we're here is i was chatting to marika about some work that she was doing do you want to tell us about it oh yeah absolutely so um, I'm a volunteer for the Dutch uh, MS Society and I write uh, articles for them. And we're doing a series on um, sex and MS. Uh, and in this series, I'm interviewing people uh, with MS who experience um, sexual dysfunction in any kind. Um, so, and we put out a message asking people to um, get in touch and to uh, volunteer for an interview with me. And so far we've only got uh, two people responding and they were both men. And I had 
lovely um, interviews with them, and I had they were very open about their uh, problems, which were mostly both of them mostly um, erectile dysfunction, and uh, they both uh, told me how they deal with it. And uh, one of them took um, Viagra, and the other one uh, chose not to. Uh, but the bottom line in both cases what was that they were very happy about their sex life and that was basically because they did a lot of communication with their partners and they talked with them about their problems and how they were going to solve it so they took the men took manners in their own hand um excuse me <laughs> us men yeah ha 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 us men aren't famed for uh, our communication skills, especially when it comes to sex. I mean, do you think they were different? Had they worked this out that this was important or were they just those sort of guys that could do it naturally? Should we so. say, oh, God, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that, um, you know, the fact that they reached out and wanted to talk about it. I mean, that's that's saying something, right. you know. Um, so that was also that was very very brave of them um, but it also got me thinking that um, medically um, sexual dysfunction in MS is um, handled quite one-sidedly in my view it's much about the, the mechanics you know the uh, mm. penetrative intercourse the, you know and it's it's I mean, doctors think they can easily fix it with a pill or uh, lubrication and you're off. While, um, especially, I think women experience a very, um, well, complicated uh, issues regarding this topic. And it's much more about um, how you feel, uh, uh, mental health, uh, hormones, um all these kinds of things. So that's, well, I found it interesting. So that's what we were talking about, right, Dominic? Absolutely, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm also noticing that we're all, probably all of us are just the other side of 40 and, um, you know, maybe just crept past the line a bit. But I think age means that, uh, yeah, you did it yesterday, didn't you, Rebecca? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Again. And it, uh, but... <laughs> I think the whole thing changes, you know, I, I, when I was 17, I was essentially a walking hormone and just figured it was my mission in life, you know, and I don't know, forget mm -hmm. MS, you just don't think you're going to get old. You don't think you're going to be affected by things. And then all of a sudden, I think it must be worse if you're younger and all of a sudden you've got this sort of virile go ahead. Um, so your wild oats, uh, and then all of a sudden MS comes in and just goes, yeah, that's not happening as easily. I mean, it, it, right. yes. and it's I in your head, isn't um, it? I mean, yeah. Wendy, has well, anything, yes. I'm going to be quite personal, has anything come up in this sense, you know, you've newly diagnosed compared to us, but has anything sort of cropped up where you thought, excuse me, holy shit, what's going on? Not in a physical sense. It's interesting actually what um, Mariette said actually, because I think, I absolutely um, agree that there's something about the kind of the mental toll that it takes actually and the impact it takes mentally because for me I, I'm lucky that actually at this moment in time and you know that could change 
I don't have any issues in terms of the physical kind of presentation of anything to do with that at all. Um, however, there is this kind of, um, it's interesting that it affects you in terms of how you see yourself. So for me, I think there's, you know, there's a couple of things, actually. There's the first thing around that kind of still being desirable. You know, it's kind of that, you know, I've got MS and am I still going to be desirable to the opposite sex? Even though physically on the outside, I don't look any different how I looked two years ago. You know, I do 10 years ago. Sorry, you know, I've aged a bit. But kind of two years ago, no. But for me personally, I do sometimes think that, Oh God, you know, I'm not attractive anymore. I don't feel attractive anymore. And, you know, I don't really, you know. Because of the MS? Yeah, because I think to myself, oh gosh, is there that sort of stigma of feeling Mm. a bit tainted? Does that sound wrong saying that? But it's kind of that, you know, and I know that's a crooked thought. I'm, I'm, you know, wise enough to know that's not real, but actually it does still get to me. I do think think to myself, you know, am I going to be attractive to the opposite sex? Am I still attractive to the opposite sex? I don't feel it. Um, And and I know that, you know, there's a psych there's probably some truth to it for some people but there's also a massive psychological element around it about how I feel and that constant need sometimes that I feel like I need to better myself all the time to kind of wipe away that feeling of not being attractive anymore and I do think Mm -hmm. that that has that has caused me some issues personally to be honest we're all in long-term relationships all of us you know which I think I, I see on the forums and stuff, you know, people go, oh, will I ever get a date if I've got MS or this or that? And I just think, you know, it's really hard to relate because it's just I've had it so long. But, you know, you've had it two years. I mean, Rebecca, what happened when you were diagnosed? Because it was what, 15 years ago? It was 20 years ago. OK, I'm like, April. Again, I'm yeah, sure. close but to 20. Did, did that. So when when you were that young, did it suddenly mm-hmm. change? Like Wendy says, did you suddenly think, oh, my God, I've got MS. No one will find me attractive. No, no. I had the hubris of a 27-year-old. So I was hot and I knew it. And nothing was going to change that. Ha, ha, ha. Um no, but that that was true. You know, that is the wonderful, terrible thing about being diagnosed when you're that young is that I was like, OK, you say I should take drugs. Great. Take the drugs. Yum, yum, yum. Drugs, drugs, drugs. But I didn't think about the mental toll MS would have on me in the long term. I really didn't think too hard about the physical toll because when I did, I cried. Um, so I just kind of you know, went along my way with my partner who I'd been with for a few years before I got diagnosed um, until eventually my body said, oh, you want an orgasm? How charming, (laughs) you know, (laughs) wouldn't do it. And there's all the things that uh, come or don't come along with that. Um, And then people on hundreds, I'm trying not to laugh. No, it, it does. It's okay. Uh, I mean, I, I underlined that one, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And something that Wendy brought up when we were uh, typing about this beforehand was uh, this experience now of being a middle-aged lady who um, as a middle-aged lady, I can tell you every day is like, wait, is this menopause? Like is what my body's doing now menopause or do I just not exercise enough or eat well enough? 
Like there are so, I am talking about the shape of my body rather than the actual function of my body here. But um, there are so many things, uh, as Marika said, that play into like whether we feel desirable, whether we can perform in the bedroom. You know, I'm mostly thinking about uh, orgasms and things like that. But there's also, as Dom and I have talked about before, like my legs don't always work. If you're dealing with fatigue, it's hella hard to like feel sexy or feel like you're being a good partner in any of the rooms of the house. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a big old mess of stuff. And there's stuff your, we can do. Your description of orgasms <laughs> being fireworks and uh, everything <laughs> turning into just nice, dimly lit. Oh. <gasps> right. Yeah. Oh, that, I guess that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's a question that I'm going to ask you all to solve our poor male egos. If a guy is, let's say, in his 30s, fairly early diagnosed and... I mean, when I was that age, I just, you know, you're not, you're not going to die. You're unbreakable. It's all that kind of stuff. And then something comes along and, and cramps your style like this. I think now looking back that I'd say to them, chill out. The thing you need to do is communicate and you need to talk because it's not impossible. Things have just changed, you know, and you've got to learn how to, frankly, get your rocks off another way. Yeah, but what would you guys say? I mean, I'm I'm a bit blunt with this, but what would you guys say to somebody? I would uh, I would tell them to um, uh, <laughs> maybe this is controversial, but I would tell them to visit a gay bar <laughs> and uh, start a conversation with a lesbian, and um, you know, <laughs> get some drinks in her and ask her how um, her well maybe not sex life is. I, I mean, get punched. Yeah, sure. Okay, so maybe that's this is a bad advice. But um, the thing is, um, lots of people in uh, heterosexual relationships have the have have this idea that sex is um, you know this foreplay. This is you know this is necessary. So we do this foreplay, and then is what the, when the sex happens when the penis goes into the vagina, and then the man ejaculates, and then the sex is over. Now, lots of heterosexual couples think like that, but this is this doesn't have to be has to be the case. You know, foreplay isn't doesn't have to be foreplay. This can be a sexual act in itself. Am I being too blunt? Am I being too Dutch now? No, I don't <laughs> think so. No, no, I'm, I, you know, I so can't we, help but think this is great for the views on the podcast, but that's the wrong way. <laughs> Anybody who keeps a straight face and says ejaculate, but it's, um, you know, it, it's no, but I'm, but in all seriousness, yeah. Getting somebody else's view on it. It's, I was just, if I look so back, things I wish I'd say... been told versus things mm -hmm. I thought I knew, you know, and it must be like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it like that? For a woman, do you, did you, looking back now, do you think you knew things that you wish you'd been told? I mean, there's so many things about sex, like for, for everybody, even for people fortunate enough not to have MS or some other chronic thing going on on top of everything. Um, 
yeah, I mean, there's so many things that we don't talk about. And there are uh, so many ways to please ourselves and to please our partners, who, whoever we are, uh, male, female, whatever. Um, that, that, yeah, you do kind of have to, you know, find a lesbian friend, find uh, just really anyone who is willing to talk to you about sex and like what they do. And, uh, you know, the last time Dom and I talked about this, I was like, like, look into something a little kinky on the internet. Like there's so many options. And I think as long as you're staying in communication with the other person or hell persons, if you're that cool, uh, <laughs> that you're doing it with um, and everything is consensual and everybody understands like really nothing's off the menu so long as everybody's agreed to uh, what the diet is. I don't know. That metaphor kind of went south, but. Hey, when, Wendy, when you were diagnosed, and I'm asking you because it's fresher in your mind, I think, than, than any of us. Did they say, and by the way, you may experience problems related to MS with your sex life? Was there anything like that? I mean, we're British. I'm assuming there wasn't, but. No, nothing. No, no dimension at all. No. Uh, if anything, um, it was other people with MS um, that I've met along the way if that makes sense, over the past two years, that, that mentioned it because it because I suppose it, until something's an issue for you personally, you're not aware of it, are you really? Unless somebody else tells you, oh, gosh, you know, just be aware of this, that this is. And it tended to be, the other thing is, well, it tended to be mainly men rather than females, you know, rather than women. And actually women do experience issues, but actually, you know, as you said, you know, they do, but it tends to be mainly men. And the focus, it's, it's like you said, it, the, the focus tends to be on men as well. But many um, men doctors no 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 i mean like men with ms oh yeah, yeah so it yeah. tends to be you know no 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 doctors have ever mentioned sex at all no doctors have ever mentioned that at all not one even now even even you know people that i know through you know the, the work that i do no one has you know nobody's ever mentioned that um it tends to be men and people with ms that have mentioned it to be fair that that i know now um i think it's interesting it just tends to be a focus on men rather than women um and I, and I do think that a lot of the kind of um issues or challenges that women face tend to be mixed up along with menopause as well because it does tend to be women of our age with all due respect that are more comfortable talking about these issues I think it's changing but I think it still is very much kind of we're really comfortable talking about it um so therefore it kind of gets wrapped up in well you're over you know you're over kind of you're over 40 you know I'm 46 and well, you're that kind of age, maybe it's that. And I'll admit it is quite confusing sometimes to understand which bit of it is, you know, which bit of it is being mm. perimenopausal and which bit of it is actually something else. Um, it's really hard to unpick, isn't it? But no, there's definitely no focus, I don't think, at all from any kind of clinicians. It's never been even mentioned from my MS nurse either. Right, okay. Well, no, I was just, again, yeah. likewise. The, I mean, Marika, you put your hand up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that, I don't. I'm not sure. I, I don't know whether this is, I think, I think this is a Dutch thing. But when I was quite, quite shortly after I was diagnosed, my MS nurse told me on like two occasions, maybe, that um, sexual dysfunction was a part of it and that I could encounter those. And that if I did, that I 
um, should ring them up so he could uh, get me in contact with a sexologist or a urologist or a therapist or whatever I needed. Wow, Still that's quite, that's so British. Yeah, <laughs> I, so I was too. just thinking that, Dom. I was just thinking that is exactly <laughs> what that is so real. That's the thing, isn't yeah. it? That is just so real. And you know, I'm kind of in awe of that, really, because that is just something that it's just fantastic, really. Because you just mm -hmm. you wouldn't get that. You wouldn't get that in this country, to be honest. You wouldn't wow. get that in England. You know, you wouldn't get that kind of input. But why not? It's but it's if, it's, if, it's if mad. You think about it. If this was actually properly discussed, there'd be no point us having this conversation, we would add mm -hmm. nothing to it because it would have been covered and everybody would have felt comfortable thinking, you know, like Marika said, going, oh, well, I'm having a problem, I don't know, with erections or vaginal dryness or whatever, and so I can just pick up the phone and, you know, we, we can deal with this. And I could be referred to a therapist or, what do you call it, a sexologist? A sexologist, yes. Is that sounds, sounds like a mixologist for a barman. <laughs> 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 I, you know... Um, in, in Dutch, it's called a uh, sexuoloog. So I had to uh, look it up to see if it was an actual word in English as well, but it is. But this is, is, is just basically um, a person who was educated and trained in all things um, mental and physical about sex. And, um, uh, well, he's, they're, they're therapists, basically. So they help people on this uh, topic. I remember Dr. Ruth Vestheimer in, in the US growing up, this 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 tiny little Jewish lady who was absolutely frank and always sort of shocked everyone. But, you know, she was a sex therapist, which I'm guessing. And her favorite. It's probably the thing, same. I, I never so. realized the significance of this. She, she I remember her saying, and I'm not even going to try to do her voice, but she said, if you put a dime, which is 10 cents, you know, into a jar every time you have sex before you're married and you take a dime out every time you have sex after you're married you'll die with money uh, and i just i at first it just baffled me and then it's just like okay and it, i mean i think it's just a partly a fact of we age and it ceases to become the most important thing in your life i yeah. think that is until um, the options taken away i think that's probably right. true until there's issues it's like you know, it, you know, well, you could relate it to loads of things in life, couldn't you? That, you know, until somebody says you can't do that anymore or until you can't do it anymore, you think, actually, I really want to do it now. So I think that's true until you've got issues and then you will. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, frankly, it's, it's a worry for me. And the, the fact is that it's sex and in Britain, it, it, everyone thinks you're just joking, but you think, God, I, I'd just like to have one more go before it was taken away you know if, if i knew it was going to be taken away but i mean that's the nature of ms isn't it that we kind of come full circle onto the fact of ms can suddenly just start screwing with you in a way that you did not expect mm -hmm. yesterday and you'd never had and then all of a sudden something is just not not there it's not on the table anymore and then you've got to deal with it mentally yeah. that it's not on the table um i sad, would love Sorry, I would love to circle back to something, uh, to the question that you asked us that started us down this path, which is like, what would you say to a guy who is having trouble with erection or whatever hmm. the, the mechanical piece of sex might be? And um, I, oh golly, 
am I going to tell this? I will tell this because I am a brave lady. I recall being younger and uh, being in a sexy situation with somebody who had had too much to drink and couldn't perform in the traditional uh, P in V fashion. (laughs) But my goodness, we had a lovely time regardless because he was like, there's still stuff we can do that I can do for you. And it's like one of my fondest memories of a hookup. So like, you know, there, there are options. Um, yeah, and, and your hands you know, and your face are working. So, you know, there's yeah. other things you can do. Wendy's pulling I mean, face. <laughs> 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 no, but I'm just thinking, you know, maybe the alcohol was the disinhibitor that he needed to think, you know, what's that ghastly phrase? Think outside the box. You know, again, excuse <laughs> the double. <laughs> it's terrible. I didn't it's even terrible. mean it like that. See, yeah. I, I'm one of the reasons why, because I think, well, you've all sort of touched on it, you know, it's very male focused a lot of the time. And that's mm. why I purposely thought I'm going to sort of get three against one people who are just going to gang up and say, shut up, Dominic, or you're wrong or whatever, because I think it's unfair because I have never met a guy you know, if we've ever talked about things that hasn't shared a fairly simplistic view on things, as you said, the P and V, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, um, whereas women are always seen like a slight mystery of the, you know, there's so much more there, you know, and, and how come they don't just want P and V and it's just like, well, actually maybe there's a reason, <laughs> you know, I mean, what would you, what, yeah. let me turn around. What would you say to a young woman that was suddenly, um, experiencing problems due to her MS where she wanted to have sex, but was finding it challenging. You know, and she's on the other side, she's got a guy who's sort of of the P and V view and, um, you know, she's not, or no longer able to, I don't know what the phrase is, you know, mm-hmm. entertain in the same way. I think, um, <laughs> I, I think I would first advise her to, um, to try to uh, to not be uh, uncomfortable, to be um, to feel free to talk about her problems, and also to um, acknowledge that um, <laughs> bodies work in sometimes in stupid ways or disgusting ways, and you know I I think that men are um more easily okay with things being you know not very clean i mean they're also <laughs> more easily <laughs> disgusting so there's that as well right so i think that that would be a first step and then to yeah well then again communicate just say mm-hmm. what you want and why you are not uh, why your needs are not being fulfilled and what your needs are like what you want to try and what turns you on and all that awkward stuff do you guys agree with the liberated um dutch person i think it depends on the situation doesn't it i think if you i think if you give an advice to somebody who's not in a long-term relationship and he's actively looking for a new partner and you know he's in a situation where they're going to meet somebody new i think the advice that you give them will be very different when I think you've just you know it's about that 
you know, at the end of the day, you know, some people are comfortable in telling people straight away that they've got MS. Um, some people aren't and they don't want to tell anybody. But I think if it comes down to that particular issue, you're going to have to, you know, think about seriously being open about it, aren't you? Because at the end of the day, you know, it depends whether, it depends what, if, do you want anything out of the scenario or not, I suppose, is what I'm going to, you know, let's be mm. honest. Is it is it just is it just something that you're not really that bothered about? You know, you've gone you've gone past that point of no return, and I kind of you know after a night out, and are you really bothered <laughs> about getting anything out of it? I'm just being honest here. You know, are you bothered or or Don't wake me up when you, you leave? That's it. Or are you bothered <laughs> because you see this person as someone you want to see again, and therefore actually it is about being open, isn't it, and being honest. I think it's like you guys said, you know, you've got to be honest about it. You've got to be comfortable with having that conversation. I think what's difficult and what's an interesting topic is how you have that conversation. Because not I'm not, and I'm really open person, you know. Yeah, spot the Brit here. You can definitely spot the Brit in this conversation. But I'm really, I would be really comfortable with that conversation. But I think I would struggle with elements of it because I would struggle with, and I think it comes back to the point that I made right at the beginning, which is that being comfortable with who you are and how you're perceived. And I think that's the bit that would worry me is I would worry and think to myself, how are they really going to perceive me now? Do you know what I mean? And, and you know, is, is this <laughs> going to change what they think about me? But then the other part of me thinks to myself, well, if they do think that, then I don't want to sleep with them anyway. <laughs> Does that... Does that make sense? So I think it's how you have that conversation. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's the whole, but you've got to have that self-confidence in yourself, haven't you? I mean, if you're racked with doubt and you're thinking that this defines you and the other person's going to be put off when they find out about it. Yeah. Then back to what you say, Wendy, my view has always been, well, if that's your view, sort off. I'm not interested, you know, Mm because, Yeah. I agree uh, with, with, with what you said, uh, Wendy. Um, and I was uh, in my in my story, I was thinking of a woman who was in a permanent relationship. Uh, I, mean, okay. I, I agree that it's That's very different, different if, if you, yeah. you know, placing a hookup or something. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a hookup. That's a bit of why. <laughs> hookup, yeah. More Tinder than, than, than marriage. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, so, it's been so long. I can't even so, imagine. Yeah. Rebecca. <laughs> What would, I, uh, what would your advice be, Rebecca? What would you tell a young woman who is sort of agonizing over over the fact that MS is interrupting her ordinary sex life, shall we say, or or her, you know, the way she would ordinarily operate? I um the first thing I would say is it might be really useful to talk to a therapist. Um, because like so many of the issues that have come up along the way, like am I still attractive? Will I still be attractive to other people? Um, Will whoever this, you know, nameless, faceless um, human in front of me, that, God, that sounds like I'm endorsing anonymous sex. And, you know, you do you, but, you know, this man, woman, whoever is in front of me, will they think of me differently if I clearly state, like, what I need from this? So it was at this point that the recording software for the podcasting just fell apart completely. I've salvaged as much as I can, so I hope that was a good discussion for you guys. Essentially, if I was going to sum it up as the guy in the room, it's about communication. Yes, there's different scenarios. So if you're in a long-term relationship, 
that's absolutely essential. And if it's a short-term, call it a fling, a hookup, whatever uh, you want to, then that's up to you to decide and how comfortable you are, like Wendy was saying. Um, but that's really something that I think I'd bring it up if it was going to stand to affect things, but I probably wouldn't if it wasn't going to affect things. Anyway, if you've listened to here, that's brilliant. Please, please do join other members of the community and support the MS Guide on Patreon. So it's patreon.com slash the MS Guide, one word, patreon.com slash the MS Guide, because I do this all off my own back. I don't make an income from it. It's just to buy things like equipment and subscriptions and stuff for all the software. Anyway, have a lovely day. And when in doubt, bring it up and talk about it. Alrighty, cheers. Take care. Bye-bye.